Welcome to Tilth Talk Radio. Today we're going to have a roundup on roundup as we talk the different types of roundup there are out there and how to make sense of active ingredient and use rates for those roundups. In our spotlight, we're going to look at some egg-specific satellites that have been launched into space. Egg History Minute, we'll talk about a little bit about the history of Roundup. In our Cool Beans, that's corny, we'll cover some current events and wrap it all up with a Field Good Friday. With me today are Bill Schomburg. Hey, guys. Todd Schomburg. Hey to all the Tilties out there. And I'm Matt Bruker, all with Tilth Agronomy. So, Matt, we're going to have to carry today, I see. Yep. No, there's a little bit of a, a frog yes, in Todd, frog Todd's in throat. throat. I'll just keep drinking the Diet Mountain Dew. Oh, yeah. That keeps... That'll do it. Keeps yeah. the froggy throat away. <laughs> Nectar of the gods. I was yelling a lot at the Viking game, so... Oh. I it stood the whole time. Oh, that was a good game. the whole time. What are you going to do Sunday? I don't know. I'm hoping my voice recovers for this Lions <laughs> and then game. by Monday, it'll That's be my plan, yeah. You just can't say anything tomorrow. Just okay. don't talk. Just don't talk. Yep, we got to rest, rest. rest the voice. Yeah. Good thing it's just a for Sunday the team. night game. You got all of Sunday yeah. to recover, too. Make yourself a hot chocolate with a little bit of bourbon or something in it and <laughs> soothe that throat. Some blackberry brandy like <laughs> you used to get as a kid. So when and we're in, huh? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I I kind of wish last week was the end of the season with the same result, but, you know, that was such a good good It was game. unbelievable. It was game. a great game. I mean, to just destroy the Vikings and dismantle them was was awesome. There's a lot of Viking fans in Lambeau, a lot. But but the grass, Todd. And, yeah. Right. <laughs> it did look a little funky, but it, it's just like January. Yeah. Grass and is supposed to go dormant. They got to put heat lamps on it. They got to like. Right. To they got the coils or whatever yeah. and all that. Yeah. And it yep. kind of sounded like the equipment team for Minnesota advised the players to wear certain cleats and they all decided not, not to. to. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You didn't see that? No. Yeah. The um, It was the head coach, I think, said, you know, we advised them to wear. Was it seven stud cleats? What, yeah. Yep. And but we can't make them. Okay. <laughs> They're like, oh, well, that's a great coming from the the, the leadership. Like, yeah. yeah, we can't make these guys do anything that'll help them. And I'm sure for them at home, they don't even think about that, right? Just throw your shoes on because right. the yeah, go. Yeah. But the Packers are like, yeah, every week we got to go out pregame and decide which cleats best. Which cleats and, we got to yeah. wear. So that to me is crap. Like, shut up. Yeah. They had the chance to make adjustments, and I mean, they were out on the field beforehand, and it, it, just like Packers were, they could have. My, my favorite was when Kenny did his strip sack recovery. Like the look on Cousins' face was just—it <laughs> was awesome. Was what priceless. I've never seen is usually get strip sacks where the guy comes from behind and kind of tomacho- you know, tomahawks yeah, around. This he was like in front of him and just like whoop, right, yeah, just yeah, punched like, it, punched and it out, it dropped like, on it. I'm not, you just rarely see it from the front. Like Cousins could have saw that coming and just you know move the ball or throw. I don't, it was just a wild way to just come from the front and poke it out and just land right on it. Yeah, yeah. If you would have told me at the beginning of the game that Justin Jefferson would have one, one catch, catch. I, it, I would have said you're crazy. And it was zone coverage, and they were literally it was like I don't know second and twelve or something, and they played off fifteen yards. Like, it was an easy catch for him because no one was covering him. 
every other play. I don't know if you like zoned in. Oh yeah, on him. Jair was like he was within two he... three yards and just sticking them every time. Yeah, and I'm yelling at the TV, going like, "Where was this all year?" Yeah, when he punched the ball out <clears throat> and did the gritty over Jefferson, that was like not right in front of me, but like. I could see it, and that was kind of fun to watch. My boys about lost their crap when he did that. <laughs> like, apparently, between the ages of 10 and 15, like the, the gritty is the thing to do. Like It was the <laughs> floss or whatever. Now it's the gritty. And like they about lost their crap <laughs> when, uh, when Jair did that. How are we feeling going into this game against the Lions? Like, I think the Lions are going to want to eat kneecaps no matter what. Right. You know, I think they're just like... If it was somebody else, they probably wouldn't care. But for whatever reason, I think the Lions, Lions are going to play as tough. That's yeah. The, I mean, no, it'll be, gonna it's be, not going to be a cakewalk, no. no. Even if, because there's the potential the Lions will be eliminated before the game right. starts. But I don't think it's going to matter. Right. So we want to be Rams fans. No, we want to be. Yeah. 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 No, we, no, we, we want to be Seattle, Seattle fans. fans. That's it. We need Seattle to win. Seattle fans, yes. you're right. Yes. yes. Seattle's playing the Rams. the Rams. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Seattle. For some reason, I don't, and I don't want to, like, okay, crystal ball, we win. I don't want to go to Minnesota for, for some reason, I feel like, like, they're not a good team. Like, we'd have to go to the 49ers otherwise, probably, but I feel like they're a totally different team over there, so. That's true, I, but yeah. the Niners freak me out. I mean, the Niners have been. Yeah, like, the Niners have not been good for us in the playoffs. No, no. The only good thing is. They're not the same Niners. Yeah. But. They're still the Their Niners. Their defense at, is amazing. At the Niners. For the level of quarterback experience they're playing with, they're still doing pretty well. Yes. Yeah. I do think the pack is going to win. I think it's going to be a close game. Hopefully they don't run the Bakhtiari touchdown play, play like they did yeah. in Detroit. Yeah. Or line it up. I think they should line it up like they're going to run it and then not do it. Like, oh, they're going to try it again. Yeah, it was interesting to me looking at the scores after the Vikings game because, yeah, the Lions basically did the same thing we did. They scored 41 points on their opponent. Cause who did they play last week? I can't think of who it was. Bears. Now. Yeah, they, Bears. they beat up the Bears. And the Bears have packed it in. Yeah. Well, wouldn't you? They're yeah. three and three and whatever. <laughs> number, like They get the number two pick. So I hope LaFleur watched the... Carolina game against the Lions because they just ran up the middle and just pounded them. So I hope he's watched that and determined that we need just our guys to run, just run, 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 because I don't think they're going to beat us. If we if we try to get a track meet, then it might be tough because well, hopefully Rodgers won't throw three picks again. Yeah, that would be helpful. Hopefully special teams and defense play as well as they did. In this last game, as they they did a great job on on those fronts. Just be nice to our resident Lions fan when you go to the game. We'll try. I, I'm not, that's always <sighs> a tough because when you're winning, it's easy. Yeah, you know, and then say the Packers are losing and the Lions are winning, then it's it's not easy <laughs> to be. You know, you just sort of like whatever about it. I and I always think. Having opposing fans come to Lambeau, like, why taunt them? They're spending their money right. in Green Bay. Yeah. Like, it's fine. you know, it's good. 
but there is that weird like and sitting around Vikings fans I don't like Vikings fans but the ones that sat by us were very a lot of fun actually oh, so good. that's always good usually it can be the other way around right with them. right yeah so no, like, the guy next to me like yelled out crossbar on that field goal and then when it helped like, I looked at him like it helped and we both got a lap like it was fine like we didn't he wasn't pissed. You could tell he was disappointed, but he was. It is. It does make it more fun though when you can have a a good banter back right. and forth with it, and not this like, yeah. you know, you suck. No, you suck. And then the guy, you know, and if they're really drunk, that can either make it more fun or worse, right? Because then they're just jerks about it sometimes. So yeah, it'll be. I, I, I the Lions fans won't travel though, like what the Vikings would have, don't you? I mean, I know this is a big game for them, that kind of thing. But right. I don't. I think I so. Yeah. I, I do think the crossbar kick might have been the turning point of that game. Like, they were beating them really good all first half, but... When when the Vikings kicker had missed two field goals at yeah. that point, and then Crosby hits a 56, you yeah. know, single doink, goes in, like yeah. like you say, that was pretty... I mean, I don't know when Wayne called the dagger, but you'd think he usually it. waits till like, the fourth quarter right but yeah it was pretty much almost game the, the game was over ahead of the fourth quarter this for sure it just to me it was kind of demoralizing like the dude who kicked a 61 yarder the week before to win it for the vikings you couldn't, know, even, make couldn't even make a whatever at lambo and they weren't even close no no, it was wide right, wide left. Yeah, and, and then, then there was no wind or anything. And right, it yeah, was it wasn't like, even like it was, it was that no bad of conditions. Yeah. And then Crosby steps up like a boss and just, just hits. which you know, I, I don't know if you were here the day we were talking about that. He was not supposed to kick that game. No, the other guy got hurt well, in warmups, so he, he was Crosby kick, had no warm up at all. Like he, right, he wasn't supposed to kicking kick, kickoffs that game. And they said that on TV that he didn't even try a plus 50 yarder before the game. Sure, because right. that other guy would have yeah. probably kicked that. Yeah, that's wild too. Right. Cool. All right. Let's get into our topic for today. So roundup on roundup, what do we got here, Bill? Yeah, I, helping some growers, you know, this is the time of year where we help our growers put together that shopping list so they can go ahead and and purchase, you know, inputs for the year and of course uh, glyphosate's always one that's on the list and when they go to multiple suppliers that name that trade name is usually different and um then we always get it punched back to us like okay are we comparing apples to apples here like cuz I got roundup and I got insert generic or insert weird name of glyphosate because we all know that uh, like insecticide glyphosate's been one of those where we just find these random crazy names of stuff so i I think the game changer here is is build the last year we went to some of these five o like five acid equivalent of 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 roundups and so all of a sudden before that you just sort of had regular roundup. You had, say, a PowerMax, PowerMax 3. And all of a sudden, now we're to some of these that are use rates down, like, really low. And that changed everything. Right. Like, before we had different roundups that you had a use rate of probably six-ounce span, maybe, maybe yeah. eight. And now the use rates are a span of, you know, 10 or 10, more ounces. 12. Yeah. Yep. So that's also what really did change is... When we got really tight on supply of Roundup, we started using more, Different. you know, Roundups that that were 
different. And so now all of a sudden we have this huge spectrum of roundups of just a regular roundup to a roundup opposite equivalent five is a quite a swing. It's crazy though that roundup we act we talk about like Kleenex and and Q tips like it, you know, like when we say glyphosate right. we're right like, it's right up there with roundup. like that's yeah. amazing to me how a product can have such a brand recognition that we just use it like like we say Kleenex well that for just get that out there to start with that's always crazy to me when, when herbicides in general can be like that because the trade names are much easier to say than the chemical name. Right. Like a Callisto versus saying mesotrione. Right. So I get that, but you're right that I would say more people use Roundup as just a catch-all term for a glyphosate than they use well, I think it's too glyphosate. because it's uh, commercially available to people outside of agriculture yeah. as well. Yep. I mean, it's so widely used. It's not like... Not saying no one in the gardening community uses mesotrione. Maybe somebody does, but it's not as well-known and well-used as There, as there was a lore of a sprayer guy once getting stop, like stopped in a gas station and <laughs> yelled at by somebody like, hey, you spraying you know, Roundup in that? Because I don't know if they're going to stop them from filling up with gas if they had Roundup in. And <laughs> the person's like, no, I'm not spraying Roundup. It's glyphosate. You know, don't worry <laughs> about it. And, that, you know, right, that they, kind they of story, no right, yeah. and the person's like, oh, okay, you but, know, you're fine. And I bet you, too, if you went to, like, Fleet or Menards or someplace like that, like, if you looked at the gardening section, like, the jugs, are, it's probably, like, 90% Roundup, right? Like, branded. Yeah, like, if you read some of the weed and feed and, and some of those, like, you'll see other active ingredients, but, yeah, they're not l- labeled that way. It's not like weed... Weed and feed, mesotrione or whatever. It's yeah, Roundup just has that name brand recognition. So the confusing part sometimes comes in like the acid equivalent and the active ingredient. Like there's a that's a different number, that's a different percentage, that's a different strength. So in our community, the co-op community, we talk about oh, that's a five pound product, it's a four pound product. You know, Todd had just mentioned that. So obviously, the higher the pounds, the more strength it has and the lower the use rate it should be so in general active ingredient in glyphosate is between four and six pounds um, and that refers to the total amount of salt that's in that product Um, and depending on that product there's a combination of salts that makes up the glyphosate acid and it could be ammonium it could be diammonium there's a whole bunch of different stuff that we use um, the the type of salt that's used, whether it's an ammonium or diammonium or a potassium salt, the salt that doesn't change the weed killing power. It's a weird way to say it, but just the effectiveness of weed control. It really doesn't matter what they use, what we use. We just want to know the concentration so that we can get it right, get the rate right, and that what kind of brought me to talk about this today was when we price it out too, like if you're going to go to supplier a with roundup power max three, and they're going to have a, you know, $50 a gallon, right? It's going to be a little more expensive. When you go to the supplier B with egg saver, that's a higher use rate. They're going to have a $20 a gallon or whatever that price is going to be lower. And you go, Oh, it's a cheaper, 
right? But right? N- it's going to be cheaper. But no, because you have to use more of it. Correct. Right. Yeah. So that's kind of the, the gist of this conversation today is make sure when you're purchasing glyphosate that you have this straight and you know the use rate so you know that you're comparing the right amount of gallons uh, when that's on that bid or that pricing sheet you get from your supplier. Um, we would just want to use the appropriate, appropriate amount. Yeah, I mean, if you even switching one year to to the next, you're like, oh yeah, so thirty two ounces of that, right? Like, well, no, we got to know what the pounds of active ingredient are, so we know the acid equivalent, so we can tell you maybe you only have to spray twenty ounces this year because you changed product, right? But it's still Roundup, correct? And in general, glyphosate resistant crops, so alfalfa, corn, beans. We want to have about 0.75 pounds of acid equivalent per acre. That's kind of the, the rate we want to have of acid equivalent. And that, that converts to, depending on your products, like Todd was just saying, in that 12 ounces spread, we're at, on the very strong products like Roundup Power Max 3, we're at a 20-ounce rate. And more our generics like our Buccaneer Plus or Egg Saver, those kinds of ones where they're four pound active ingredients, you're at 32. So that's kind of your swing, your swing there. Um, so in the swing in general, you know, our old, I look back to the Roundup original label. I don't even know how old that is, but that's a four pound active ingredient. So that's one of those, one of the first ones that come out, more of, you know, going to be compared to the generics. That's at your 32 ounces. And now we've progressed from Roundup Original, Roundup Weathermax. Now we're to Power Max. We've got well, three, three different Power Maxes. I mean, does that naming scheme does make sense. Like Power Max, you expect it to be more concentrated, more, more powerful. Right. So you probably need to use less of it. Just like some of the generics, like you have Credit Extra and then Credit Extreme. Yes. And that is the difference, is it's the same. It's made by New Farm, and the Credit Extra is a four-pound, and the Credit Extreme is a five-and-a-half. So 32 ounces on the Extra and 22 ounces on the Extreme. So there's a big, and that's a big swing. Right. Like, make sure we get that right. Um, Obviously, and sometimes we can be like, oh, more is better, but we really don't need it. Yeah. and I'm sure the farmers out there, you've all run into some crazy named Glystar Plus, Ranger Pro, you name it, you've run into to that. So um, the big thing is to look underneath on the label, look at not so much like it'll say glyphosate and then whatever salt and then a percentage. Don't so much look at that. You want to look at underneath that, it'll actually say pounds of active ingredient it'll say right on the label what the poundage is if it's a four pound it's going to be in that 32 ounce range if it's higher than that then you're going to adjust your rate down from there because it's stronger Um, the other thing to think about is um, what surfactants are in it because over time companies have added surfactants and, and quote fully loaded these glyphosates so we got to watch that, too, that um, if you have a fully loaded product, you don't necessarily need to add the surfactant. As an agronomist, I still like to because I think it mitigates some of weather issues and 
um, maybe some drier times when like a lamb's quarter or something might harden off where you just can't get that in. So adding that extra surfactant is kind of like an insurance policy. Um, so I, I'll admit I don't always follow that. Um, but just making sure you know that these generics that may not be fully loaded, you have to add surfactant. It's like when my friend's dad makes his margaritas and accidentally buys the pre tequila margarita mix and then adds more tequila. Yeah. Then he has to drink less margaritas, but the impact is much greater. <laughs> so there's, there's a good analogy there for you. There you go. There you go. Um, it's, and it's not good. You know, glyphosate by itself is really not good to have crop oil and methylated seed. It's not recommended to do it. It's recommended to use non-ionic surfactant. Um, and we always add AMS, no, no matter what. Like That's more of a loaded. water treatment, yeah. Um, yeah. especially for harder waters. So that helps a lot. And, you know, Bill's right with these surfactants. Is the cost of them are creeping up, though. That's the tricky part, is that that used to be sort of cheap insurance. So it's not as cheap anymore of insurance. So just to, like you say, read the label, know what you want to use, know what's been working in the past. And that does help a lot. And and other things to kind of think about when you're looking at products that either contain Roundup or glyphosate, contain glyphosate or are glyphosate themselves. A couple of things here is if you have a GT on the label or on the name like Halux GT or Acuron GT, well, what does that mean? Usually when they add something like a GT of that nature, it's a premix with glyphosate in it. And then you got to decipher, and then like enlist has to be different, and it's enlist duo. Right, right, yeah, yeah. So there's different names that are added to premixes that contain glyphosate, and then you got to decipher what um, amount of glyphosate is in there, what you're getting. Also, with we're just talking about surfactants a minute ago, if it says extreme or plus or max or any of that nature. It probably means there's it's a fully loaded product. Not always, but a lot of times it does. That's also tricky because there is a product called Extreme. Right. Yeah. Just yeah. Extreme, which is Pursuit with Roundup. Right. So <clears throat> all of these do get really you know weird. In the same kind of goes in the atrazine world when they chuck on extra a lot of t- you know, harness extra yeah. has kind of yep. got the atrazine in it. And these aren't you know, there's somewhat of a pattern, but they're not always, as you, like Bill said, the GT is probably most common, but it's not always like that. So reading the label, knowing, you know, if, if it does have Roundup in with it and knowing that really helps, most of those Roundups are not that, Bill, would you agree most of the Roundups kind of thrown in with are the like four pound yeah. acid equivalent yes. most of the time? I right. mean, yep. that could change now, but usually when it's loaded, it's sort of that equivalent but that's a different label rate anyway than roundup so it's probably not that important right. to know the one thing in reading seems like glyphosate labels in general are, are really robust like if you look at all the labels the products that we use it seems like the glyphosate label is just really long yeah the power max yeah. three label is 29 pages yeah. of quite small font you know this isn't in, it's in, not your typical bathroom in, reading, right? No, there. it's just the amount of crops that <laughs> are on it as well. <laughs> yeah. And what I found really hard looking at some of the labels was to actually find a spot that said that it's loaded or not loaded. Like 
No, the, so it may the be edge easy. of indescription no, is not No, it's very really easy. hard to find. So for that, for a farmer spraying their own, it might be easy to ask your retailer or your a chemical rep to say, hey, is this one loaded or not? Um, you could probably figure it out, but at the same point, it was like it wasn't very clear in the in the um, label, like is it loaded or not? And the use rate isn't either. The glyphosate seems to I, give such a wide range of use rates. Right. I do. I think it is also tricky when we're talking namings. Is now that we're into these five pound active ingredient products, is like for Power Max, it's Power Max three, which is the five and for Buccaneer, it's Buccaneer five extra or Buccaneer five. So some of them use a five in there or like credit as well is just called credit extreme. There's no number then at all. So anyway, it just seems tricky to, to decipher that as we were talking with the namings where you just throw on GT, you think with the acid equivalent too, there'd be like an easier number at the end. Right. And that has nothing to do with it, you know, in general. I mean, it's just a tricky thing with the Power Max 3. That one doesn't mean three pound acid equivalent. No. It is the it actually five means and a half. Six pound, almost right, six yeah. pound acid right, ingredient. So, yeah. so we went, Roundup Original was a four pounder, then the Weather Max and the initial Power Max ones were five and a half. So we made a jump from 32 from a four pound to a five and a half, which means 32 ounce rate to a 22 ounce rate. And then Power Max 3 actually added put another plate on the bar if you talk about a weightlifting a reference there put another plate on the bar and we went from five and a half to just under six so our use rate changed again you know so it's like just got to watch that when when you're when you're deciding what to use so if my retailer tells me well it's the same as roundup it's not necessarily always true technically not almost all these are not the same that's the right. other tricky part like Literally, they're not. I mean, you... Well, like Roundup originally, like you said, was four. Buccaneer Plus has the plus in there. Still four. Still four. You'd think, oh, plus, it should be five. Credit Extra, four. (laughs) Glystar Plus, four. But then you get Durango's 5.4. And it's just regular Durango. You know, and so, yeah, it's always important, like Bill said, read the label, look at the active ingredient, how many pounds... Because your use rate is, yeah. The good news is we talked about how dynamic the, the glyphosate labels are, but the active ingredient is on the first page. Like, just look halfway down the first page, and you'll find it. So that was, that was kind of neat. I did find a publication that Oklahoma State put together a, a glyphosate fact sheet, and that spelled out perfectly the active ingredient, how it compares to acid equivalent, and then what the use rate is. So it's really easy to see, okay, it's a 5.5 pound, boom, it's 22 ounces. That was pretty neat, that publication. It was really easy to make it, you know, you could decipher it really easy. Well, and just looking at this chart too, I found it interesting that Buccaneer 5 Extra and Buccaneer 5 at 5.4 pounds is a 24 ounce use rate, 5.5 Power Max 2, 22 ounce. So sometimes you're splitting that hair of that use rate changes just a little bit, yep. and it's still. And it know. could be too what what um, what surfactants are in those products. Maybe that right. What it's pre mixed with use yep. rate a little bit. It's just 
pretty much the same active ingredient, but maybe the other things in it make that use rate have to go a couple ounces higher. But yeah, it, it just reinforces the whole idea. Make sure you look at it, look at the label, make sure you're using the right use rate. And I don't know how important it is to you guys or even our farmers, because I think every farmer is a little bit different. But what I found every year when I do this dance is, okay, you know how many gallons you need. And then you do this dance on different products. And you're like, holy man, if I buy Buccaneer Plus, I need 500 gallons. But if I go with Roundup Power Max, I only need 300 gallons, right? So it's like, as an applicator... I would think that would matter. Like, that's less boxes if I get it in packaging and jugs I have to clean out. If I get it in mini bulks, that's maybe two mini bulks instead of three or four. Like, to me, some of that comes into play, too, of just at what point are we going to get to where it's Power Max 10 and we're spraying 10 ounces and you only need 100 gallons? Then it's... Then you better not spill it. Yeah, it'll be an eyedropper, and you're like, come on, don't do it. Oh, oh, too much, too much. That was funny, Matt, when we did our cover crop. Oh, yeah, yeah. This year we did some plots on cover crops, and we were using... um, Syringes. 10 by 30 blocks, and to get their use rate low enough, it was like cc's of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, the most use of syringes I think I've I've ever done (laughs) was collecting... uh, and I, I did have like yeah my one one farmer that provided some chemical it was out of mini bulk and so you're you're like with a solo cup and they, even that was too much like yeah, you're just, like one pump oh okay all right like, we're good we were doing like one ounce rate use rate of Callisto and it was like three cc's or something like it's crazy I could see Matt shouting out like I need five cc's of Parmax three <laughs> stat <laughs> get it here no! no these weeds won't die themselves. So it's a big it's a big thing to watch when you're purchasing glyphosate. It is real. We if if you're per- going to purchase PowerMax, you know, don't be buying the gallons you need for Buccaneer Plus cuz you're going to be buying way more than you need. Yeah, well, and and spraying way more than you need if you're going the 32 ounce rate, which is was for a while there pretty much the like, you know, full rate that's 32 ounces. Let's I think there was a lot of push from the chemical makers even like, nope, you should use full rate because there was a, I think a, a free respray, right? I don't know if that, is that still, still a thing that certain certain ones you get a free respray if you use full rate or whatever yeah, and it didn't kill debatab- everything. Yeah, it's debatable what where you get it from. Yeah. Once generics kind of hit, then that was like, well, you're buying a cheaper product now. If it doesn't work, it's not on us anymore. Yeah. I think the... Co-op retailers and the branded people still stand behind their products pretty good. So, all right, so there you go. That's how to round up your roundup. Make sure you know exactly what you have and how many pounds of active ingredients so you can use the right use rate. Now we'll move into our spotlight for today. One small step for grass, one giant leap for corn kind. We've got seven ag-specific satellites that have been launched into orbit. So back in uh, early January, earlier this week, the Dragonfly Aerospace 
company launched its first imaging satellite from SpaceX launch site in Cape Canaveral, Florida. Named the EOSat-1, this is the first of seven egg-specific satellites to be launched over the next three years, which is boasted to be the first such constellation focusing on imaging data for agriculture. Constellation will maintain low Earth orbit and collect imagery for EOS data analytics with the goal of collecting high-quality data for crop monitoring, application mapping, soil moisture, yield prediction, and biomass levels. So, so Elon, Elon's got his hands in egg now. Well, yeah, I mean, SpaceX is one of the, the bigger satellite launchers with, you know, we've talked about the, uh, the Internet satellites that he's launched and constellations he's got going up with that. So they're kind of the go-to right now for, for this type of launch. pretty cool that it's just right for or designated for ag. Yep. Yeah, and it's you know, we've we've used some imagery stuff before. We've talked about quality of imagery and and different things, so having a dedicated satellite that that's up there solely for that purpose will only make that kind of data better. So it can do, let's see, it says according to company it's equipped with two Dragon Eye electro-optical imagers to provide a 27-mile swath panchromatic and multispectral image across 11 spectral bands at close to one meter resolution, making Ooh. it one of the most capable imaging satellites. One one meter, that's pretty good. Yeah. It's like three feet. Yeah. It, it, it is. <laughs> in fact, three feet, yes. Not exactly. Not even. Not, no, not precisely. <laughs> But that's because that's the difference between the metric system and what we use here in the U.S. So I'm, I'm pumped about this because the we need more companies out there. There's yeah. planets out there right now. I mean, back in the day, Bill, we had like John Deere did some mm-hmm. satellite stuff. They did some plane imagery for a yeah. while, and then they got kind of out of that and. Then there was those rapid eye satellites. Remember yep. when we had to wire money to Germany, yeah, to like get imagery. That was like oh seven, oh eight ish. We were li- like, yes, remember please Jeff- send us your money. No, I remember Jeff- David give you some satellite, satellite imagery. imagery. We we're not really looking at other stuff. Just crops. We swear. <laughs> no, it was like, and and so there's been these companies over the years that I, I don't want to say it's been revolving, but the technology I think has changed because those rapid satellites were like the size of a small car. Mm-hmm. The planet satellites are like a shoebox, and the I, did did it say size of these? It was no, they're micro satellites. Okay, so they when are it the said micro, ones. I yeah. wasn't like I'm assuming it's the shoebox type. Yeah, I think they're still there. about that size. But just that part of this could be huge for us as as we get more sources to get this imagery. It'll get you know more priced, competitive, and cheaper, um, and, and sooner or later, it's probably going to put out the drone imagery. I mean, right. it's just because yeah. of the the access and all that stuff of, of speed where it's just up there always taking pictures. And it looks like by 2025, which is only two years away now, they're going to throw up another six more. So they're just going to add to the fleet. Yeah, yeah, it'll be a process because obviously, you know, launch windows and whatever else, they have to make sure they don't hit the other satellites that are up there. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's very cool. Let's move into our egg history minute. 
right, so to continue on our talk of Roundup, how did we get here? Well, look at a little timeline here of how Roundup came to be. So in 1901, the Monsanto Chemical Works Company was founded. 1933, Monsanto Chemical Company uh, cha- was the, what they changed their name to. During World War II, Monsanto produced styrene, a component of synthetic rubber, which was vital to the war effort. It's 1961, glyphosate was patented in the U.S. by Stauffer Chemical Company and was used as a descaling agent to clean out calcium and other minerals in pipes and boilers for commercial hot water systems. 1970, Monsanto scientist John Franz discovered glyphosate could be used as a herbicide and patented the discovery. By 1974, Monsanto brought glyphosate to the market under the trade name Roundup. 1985, EPA classified glyphosate as a Group C carcinogen, meaning it had suggestive evidence of carcinogenic potential. Then in 1991, they changed that and classified it to Group E, meaning evidence of non-carcinogenicity for humans. By 1996, ASRO had had introduced Roundup-ready soybeans to the market, which have been genetically modified to resist the effects of Roundup. And by 97, ASGRO was purchased by Monsanto from the Mexican firm Empress, or Empressas, no, I don't know, La Moderna. <clears throat> Monsanto also bought Calgene, a biotechnology company based in Davis, California. That was the first company in the United States to commercialize genetically modified organisms. And then 97, we had Roundup Ready Cotton and Canola commercialized. And by 98, we had DeKalb Genetics Corporation being purchased by Monsanto, And they also bought out Cargill's seed business, making Monsanto the world's third largest seed company and fourth largest pesticide company. Roundup Ready Corn came in 98. And then in the early 2000s, we added Roundup Ready Alfalfa and Sugar Beets. So I do remember like 99, 2000, 2001, like, ooh, Roundup Ready Corn? We got beans. It's working really good. Yeah. Corn comes in, and there was like <clears throat> two or three hybrids in each lineup that you could choose from in a maturity group. And now we got to make sure we don't mix seed and all the jazz of having conventional corn with Roundup corn. And now we don't even. Yeah, most of the time we don't have to think about it. Nope. There are still conventional corns out there, but um, the majority of corn that is used is Roundup ready. So. All right. Thank you, Matt. Thank you to all our listeners out there. Please subscribe to the podcast and tell a farmer friend. You can find us in many ways, many places. Apple Podcasts on your iPhone or on Android. You have to download an app like Podcast Addict. You can also go to a smartphone or computer browser. Go to tiltagcom slash podcast. We're also available on Amazon Music, and you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Tilth Talk Radio. Thought I was going to have to... Bring the lefty of the bullpen for that, Todd. Your, <laughs> your diet dues treating you well this it's, it's morning. It's doing all right. It's doing all right. All right. Thanks, Todd. Now let's get into our current events with some cool beans. That's corny. So cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. Our cool beans today, we celebrate 50 years of egg friendship. 
It was 50 years ago the idea was born, an idea of a strong agricultural publication that would share ideas, helpful information, and inspiring stories with the farmers of Wisconsin. Born the Dairyland Ag Review in celebration of the state's number one industry, the magazine newspaper came into being thanks to four men in central Wisconsin. So, of course, we are talking Ag Review paper, which I think a lot of us have read or, or have subscriptions to and see. Can, do you still get the, like, is that still in print? I think so. I yeah. I don't know. That was always, like, one at the AJR house. We oh, yeah, get, get all, like... That was always one I wanted to grab, check out, go right to the crops section. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's been around for 50 years. There were very few paid subscribers in the early issues. Uh, 17,000 copies went to a list of compiled by the four men who started the, the venture. The most serious problem was getting an accurate mailing list, and they spent... Countless hours driving mile after mile, typing word after word until they accumulated what they felt was the most accurate list of ever, of uh, possible for every farmer in their circulation area. So they, boots on the ground, went out, found people to, to send copies to so they could get more subscribers. And It's like the census people knocking on doors and getting your yeah. information, huh? So congratulations to Agriview for being around for 50 years. Hopefully they'll be around for another 50. Because they're a great place to find your ag news. Our That's Corny this week. Fires destroy buildings in Watertown and Sun Prairie Farms. So multiple fire departments have responded to two separate fires that destroyed buildings on two dairy farms in Jefferson and Dane counties during the holidays. The Christmas Day fire that destroyed a heifer barn at Rosie Lane Holsteins in Watertown is still under investigation. The farm called 911 on December 25th to report a fire in a large metal barn that housed heifers in Watertown. The building was fully engulfed by the time the fire department got there. and they were able to let animals out. Doesn't look like they had two. Let's see. Trying to find the number here. It said three young calves were transported to a clinic for intensive care, um, but they still don't know if if any must not have a full head count yet of, as of the time of this article to know if any animals did die in the fire. That's a bummer on <clears throat> Christmas Day. Right. Not only are you dealing with it as a family in your farm, but all the, like this sounded like a very large far- <clears throat> fire, so all the fire departments have to leave their family get-togethers, and it's just unfortunate. Yeah. And there were no animals injured at the Dane County Fire. Uh, worker at Stats Brothers in Dane County spotted a blaze inside the commodity shed around 3.45 on December 30th, prompting several fire departments to respond to the farm's Sun Prairie location. The large structure collapsed when the building and its contents were considered a total loss. So luckily, no animals injured, but obviously it's hard to feed animals when your commodity shed is burned and collapsed. I feel like commodity sheds happen a lot. Well, you're getting shipments of 
straw and yeah. it might be a little wet or just th- they're <clears throat> or, or, the or your mixer starts on fire yeah, yeah. or I mean, it's opposite it's yeah. too dry and it, right you know you got yeah. a lot going on in there right. that could easily start a fire yeah just unfortunate at all that it happens but then it happens right at the holiday season when we're maybe have less work on workers on the farm because people are maybe just less help there because of the holidays so you just hard time yeah thankfully in both cases you know injuries were limited and um, obviously it's unfortunate that there are buildings lost and and time lost money lost but um, it's harder to replace people than it is buildings so at least they've got that going for them and most of the animals were able to uh, make it out all right in both situations as well finally we'll wrap things up here with our field good friday and uh, in Plymouth, Wisconsin, the, which is apparently we we did not uh, Bill and I didn't know this. Todd, I don't know if you did. The cheese capital of the world, Plymouth, Wisconsin, home to two associates of of ours, uh, Nathan Nicey that works with us here at Tilth Agronomy, and Bill Eberly, our friend of the podcast. <clears throat> so uh, maybe they know. They, maybe they I, knew I would, that. I would hope they knew, being from that area. Um, but yeah, they do a special cheese drop on New Year's Eve. So good way to, instead of a ball to celebrate the turn into the new year is to drop a big wedge of cheese from, from a crane, as is shown in a picture here in the article. Um, yeah, so that's just kind of a neat little thing here in Wisconsin. And it says they ooh. dropped it at 10 p.m. That is quite the like. <laughs> That's not even like New York New Year. No, time. We're like yeah. we're not staying up that late. We'll just, just do it at ten. Screw it. Just, whatever. The kids go home. Yeah. Uh, this Rudy year, just wants to see the cheese drop. Can't wait that extra two hours. Yep. This year was the sixteenth annual uh, Sartori cheese drop, and it's consider, uh, considered by CNN to be one of the quirkiest New Year's Eve traditions. I think coolest. Uh, well, there, there's also a blueberry drop in North Carolina. And a pine cone drop in Arizona that are lame <laughs> in that vein. So, yeah, very cool. Sartori gave the first 250 families a gift bag of cheese. So that's a pretty sweet deal, too. wonder how many they're getting there. I don't families like. I don't know. I don't, like I don't know what the population of them is. Seven, yeah. if it, I, mean, I mean, I would assume most people in town turn out for it. Especially 10 p.m. You're not talking like... No. Yeah, you're not staying up too late. Yeah, we all got to work tomorrow. <laughs> Make sh- Drop the cheese at 10. <laughs> Sister Bay, they do a giant cherry drop. So that makes sense. 300-pound, six-foot diameter metal cherry. That's pretty cool. We watched a music note drop. A music note? Yep. Can you guess where, where it was? TV? Uh, Nashville. And, yeah, Nashville. Nashville. That was like the coolest lame thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Nashville's like New Year's, because it was kind of nice because it's central time. Right. So it's the same. So that was kind of nicer than New York. But yeah, it was, and it, it was just all country people singing, and then they dro- dropped this. And it looked like they were near, they got like a, uh, what's the old Greek structure with the Parthenon? They've got like a Parthenon in Nashville, and it looks like that's what they were in front of to drop this music huh. note, and then they shut off fireworks. 
We'll be there in two weeks. We can check it out. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's ironic the article mentioned CNN because CNN missed the ball drop on their coverage, apparently. I saw an article about that. <laughs> After New Year's, they, uh, the host was too busy dancing to back that ass up and <laughs> <laughs> missed it completely. Missed ball. Yeah, like, so they didn't air the ball drop. Like, they had no coverage of it, which I thought was kind of funny. I, I actually didn't watch any ball drops this year, so. They're not, like, even, and I didn't see New York's ball, like, on, I would never go there New Year's because that's uh, just too busy. No, that'd be crazy, yeah. But, like, seeing that ball, like, because you, it's, kind of behind a building and it's not as big as you would oh, think. Oh, sure. Like this cheese block looks as big as that ball probably mm-hmm. is. Like it's just, yeah. I, they, yeah. I, what, what blows me away on all the New Year's stuff in New York is the obscure people they always get to like host and talk and it's like these random... Well, like was it last year, two years ago they had J-Lo and Alex Rodriguez. Like how random is that? And, and now she's married to Ben Affleck. Right. So it's just... Yeah. It, to me, I that's I don't even watch it because it's just uh, who are these people? And maybe it's because I'm old now and I just don't know the youngins anymore. But yep. Dick, Dick Clark was the man. <laughs> well, they still call it that. Kind yeah, of yeah, it's still Dick. It's, which but is it's, like uh, Ryan Seacrest is taking over. Dick yeah. Clark. Does he do anything right? else ever? Like throughout Seacrest? the year, he's isn't on, he, um, he on Ke- Kelly Ripa. Yeah, he's oh. the new Regis, and he's got a radio show I think out in California. That's probably that's a good move. Like, just I'm gonna just take over for Dick Clark and Regis. Yeah, and just <laughs> right. The two fly under the radar. Two and, fairly well known old guys. Yeah. In, in the industry and yeah, but yeah, so he he does that his radio show I think and. He was still doing, is American Idol still on again? Because they brought it back. I think he was still involved with it. Makes sense. So, yeah. Anyhow. Cheese drop. Cheese drop. They should televise that on, like. They should. That should be broadcast across Wisconsin. Yeah. I think they get some viewers. All right. Well, that'll do it for today. Thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for having us, Matt. So, today we looked at Roundup and how to determine your use rate based on the pounds of active ingredient in whatever variety you may have, as there are several different types of glyphosate out there. Our spotlight, we looked at a constellation of seven egg-specific satellites. First one went up already this year, uh, with more to come. Egg History Minute, we talked about the history of Roundup. Cool Beans was Egg Review celebrating 50 years of publication. That's corny with some holiday fires down in southern Wisconsin causing problems on farms. And our Field Good Friday was the cheese drop held in Plymouth, Wisconsin for New Year's. Thanks for listening, and as always, happy farming.